Good morning, South Suburban. Hey, I've got good news for you. Are you ready? Seriously, this is good news. God loves you just the way that you are. Can I get an amen on that? All right. He loves you in the middle of all of your junk. (laughs) He loves you with all the jewels that are already there. Um, Scripture says he loves you unconditionally, in fact. Um, But here's, here's the super good news. God loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you where you are. He loves you even in the midst of all of your junk, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you there. In fact, Scripture says that he wants you to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. In one month, beginning on September 10th, we're going to launch a new campaign here at South Suburban called Transformed, where we're going to look at seven key areas of our lives where you need to be healthy, where you need to be balanced. You need to make sure that you are, you've simplified and you, you've focused to make sure that you're getting not only the most out of life, but you're actually getting the most out of God in your life. And so we're going to look at spiritual health. We're going to look at physical health. We're going to look at your emotional health and your mental health. We're going to look at your relational health, your financial health, your vocational health or your job. And we want to see what the Word of God says about all of these key areas of your life. You see, God's goal is to transform you in these areas. It's to shape you. Now, some of you guys say, um, that's why I work out. I'm trying to reshape who I am and what I look like. God's doing that on the inside. He is, he is shaping you. Let me, let, me, let me phrase it this way. His desire is to shape you to look like his son, Jesus. So let me ask you this. How does God change us? How does God change us? I mean, am, am I just walking down the street one day and all of a sudden, uh, bam, all of a sudden I'm filled with love for everybody and I'm just a, a, a loving person? Is that how God transforms us? Is that how he shapes us? Well, Scripture says, obviously, that, that certainly when Jesus comes into your life, there is an immediate change that happens to you. There's a change that happens to you. Uh, God changes you from the world's team to his team. That's an immediate change that happens. But I think every one of us would recognize, it's no shock to us, that when God wants to transform, um, when he wants to do something in us, it actually doesn't work that way. 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18, the top of your notes today, if you'd grab that, um, here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 3.18. 18, it says, as God's spirit works within us, we are being transformed. And in your notes today, I want you to circle that word being because that is significant. That's a continuous process. It's incremental. It's not instant. It's ongoing. As God's spirit works within us, we are being transformed to become more like Christ. This is a good verse, isn't it? God is transforming us to become more like Christ. This change from one degree of glory to another or one level of maturity to the next comes from the Lord. And I love this verse in the message paraphrase. It actually says that our lives are becoming gradually brighter and brighter, reflecting the the image of Jesus Christ. Now, that's my desire for you as we talk about this campaign 
that your life would become brighter and brighter, reflecting the glory of Jesus Christ. Here's what, um, here's, here's what we're, we're looking at here. This is what our goal is in this transformed campaign. There, there's a classic chapter that we're going to tackle today uh, in, in the Bible on how God transforms and how he grows us. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we're going to look at a number of different verses today, but Ephesians chapter 4 is going to be kind of a central element because in this passage, God lays out five elements that he uses to transform us. These are significant pieces, and you're going to find those in your notes today. So let's look at those this morning. The first one is that transformation requires learning the truth. It requires learning the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 17 that the truth was important for change. In fact, in that passage, Jesus is praying for the church. He's praying for you. Uh, Right before he goes to the cross, gives his life on the cross, is raised from the dead, he takes a moment here in John chapter 17, verse 17, he prays to God the Father for you. And he says this, use the truth to make them complete. That's powerful. Use the truth to make them complete. Your word is truth. That's a quote from Jesus. Make them complete. Now, there's a, there's a theological term in this. It's, it's, a, it's, called, it's called sanctification. Uh, you might call that church lingo, but there's, a, there's a, an understanding or a, a definition, a meaning behind this. Sanctification simply means to be made complete. It is a, a process. It means to grow up. It means to mature. It means to be transformed. And Jesus said the way that you're sanctified is through the truth. And he also said this, a familiar passage for a lot of you, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. So what is this saying? If you really want to change an area of your life, you need to know the truth about that area, and you need to apply it to your life. Now, it's kind of a no-brainer. You you would say, duh, that makes sense. If if I want to change my finances, then I need to find out what God says about finances, and I need to apply that truth to my life. If I want to change my marriage, I need to find out what God says about marriage, and I need to apply that truth to my life. If you want to find out how to manage your time or anything else, you need to find out what God's word says about that, discover the truth, and apply that truth to your life. Because it's the truth that changes us. And so here's the goal as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Look at this verse with me. It says, then we will no longer be like children. He, he explains this. Children We're forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or they made a lie sound like the truth. I'm going to pause right here. Uh, Today we're going to use a number of different versions of of the Bible. Some passages that I think are are just the wording in them are really easy for us to, to grab a hold of what God is trying to communicate here It's the New Living Translation, but here's what he says. One of the marks of spiritual immaturity is that other people can sway you from the truth. You give in. He says, I don't want you to be spiritually mature because a spiritually immature believer is always changing their minds about what they believe. They don't know the truth. And Paul goes on to say this. Instead, and this is the mark 
of maturity. Instead, we will hold to the truth. In other words, we're grabbing on to the truth in love, becoming more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. And so what is, what is God saying here? You, here's what he says. You've got to know the truth in your life if you're going to be transformed. And why is that? Because every self-defeating behavior in your life is based on a lie that you've bought into. Let me explain. If you want to change your life, you've got to identify that lie. It may be a lie about yourself. It may be a lie about God. It may be a lie about other people. It may be a lie about what success or life or fame looks like. It may be a lie about what love or marriage or sex or money looks like. Because I believe that many people have bought into a lie about their past that simply isn't true. True. Some people, they may believe a lie about their worth that isn't true. They believe a lie about their present or about their future that isn't truth. And that's why Jesus said, again, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so we have to put down lies and we have to pick up the truth. What does God's word say about who I am? Jesus said, I am the truth. Now listen, he didn't say I teach the truth. He didn't say I point to the truth. He said, I am the truth. And that's because this is a tweetable quote. Okay, you ready? Truth is not simply a principle, it's a person. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you know the truth. And Jesus said, the truth is found in his word. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you know the truth, the more you can apply that to your life and see transformation happens. Here's what 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us about the word, about God's word. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and it is useful. It is good for us. This is how God uses it, four ways to teach us what's true, to help us realize what's wrong in our lives, straighten us out and teach us what to do that's right, and prepare us in every way to be fully equipped for God and for good. Now, those are four things that, that the Word of God says, here's why Scripture is relevant and powerful in your life, because transformation comes through the truth. So during this transformed campaign, we're going to be in God's word a lot. Because the more you get into God's word, the more it's going to change and shape who you are. Let's look at number two. Transformation requires new thinking. Transformation requires new, thank new thinking. If you want to change your finances... Not only do you need to discover what God's truth is about, your fin about finances, but you've got to change the way you think about finances. That means that you're going to have to change the way you think about money, change the way you think about debt, the way you think about bills, the way you think about spending or saving or all of these things. If you want to change your job or your career, you've got to first change the way you think about your job or your career. If you want to change a relationship, you've got to change the way you think about a relationship. It always starts in the mind. Now, let's talk about that a little bit deeper. Be the way that you think determines the way that you feel. The way that you feel determines the way that you act. Most people try to change the way that they act 
without changing first the way that they think. And what we do is we become actors when we do that. Just actors. We change the way that we act without changing the way that we think about sin, think about these different things. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But I just want to be very straightforward about this. If you really want to see growth, then here's what Scripture tells us. You have to stop conforming and start transforming. You have to stop being conformed in your thinking by what the world says, and you have to be transformed in your thinking about what God's Word says. Romans 12, 2 tells us this. This is a central verse to this campaign. It says, do not conform to the values and opinions of this world any longer. Don't give in to them. Don't let them shape you. Instead, let God transform you by teaching you the right and true way to think. Let God transform your thinking through the power of his word. Now, I want to step on a couple of toes. It's not that I want to. I'm going to step on a couple of toes. Let me rephrase that. So, um, steel-toed shoes would be very helpful right now, okay? Just listen, right? There are a lot of people who spend way more time on Facebook than in God's word. And they're being shaped and conformed rather than being transformed. There's a lot of people. Most of the people in my life spend more time watching ESPN than spending time with God. A lot of you guys may spend more time listening to talk radio than in prayer or in Bible reading. How you spend that time is extremely important. And here is why. Whatever you take in the most is what you're going to be shaped by. So when we say we want to be transformed by God's word, let me give you a little bit of a, an alert. This is, I would say it's a warning, but, it, but it's more of like, just so you know, you are not going to receive enough of God's word on a Sunday morning at church to transform your life. It's true. You're not going to receive near enough just showing up and sitting in a chair of, of God's word to actually shape you. You're going to have to be very intentional in what you allow into your life because it will shape you and it will transform you. And that's why Romans tells us don't conform to the world any longer, any longer. be transformed by God's word. You need to make sure that this is a part of the regular flow in your life. So knowing this, this is what Ephesians says. Ephesians chapter 4, this is verses 17 to 19. So if you want to be transformed, don't keep living as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused in their thinking. There's a lot of people in this world who call right wrong, and they call dark light, and they've got it all mixed up. Their closed minds are full of darkness. They're far away from the life that God gives because they've shut their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. They don't care anymore about right and wrong. And they've indulged themselves in all kinds of immorality, evil thinking, and the constant desire for more. That passage was written around 2,000 years ago, and yet it could have been written yesterday and been spot on. The world that we live in today. Don't care about right and wrong. Giving in to the, to the immorality and all the evil thoughts that come there. So what am, what am I saying here? If you really want your life to be different, 
if you really want your life to be shaped by God into the image of his son, then you have to stop conforming to the patterns of the world, to the shaping of the world, and you have to transform, start transforming your life through God's word. Ephesians 4.23 says this, instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. How many of you guys have ever needed an attitude adjustment? It's way easier to say this. How many people sitting beside you need attitudes adjustments? It's easy to point fingers, isn't it? Listen, we know this to be true on a regular basis. We need our thinking and our attitude to be reshaped. And what do we want it to be shaped by? I, I like the way that the CEV Bible says it. It says, let the spirit change your way of thinking. Now that's good. That's good. I don't want somebody else to shape my thinking. I don't, I don't want somebody else's words. I want God's word. I want the spirit of God to, to shape my attitude Oh, man, if we had a Holy Spirit attitude adjustment on a regular basis in our life, this world would be a much better place. Your, your home would be a much more peaceful place. And so this is what God's Word is talking about. Our, change, our, our thinking needs to change. But again, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, rather than changing the way we think, oftentimes we just try to focus on changing the way that we act. And again, we just become actors. We need new thinking through God's word. So the third thing is uh, transformation requires cleaning house. Let me talk about this for a second. There's going to be some things that you need to clean out in your life. You need to clean house in your mind. You need to clean house in your body or in your spirit. Here's what Ephesians 4 verse 22 says. It says, so get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to. The old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. Here, let, me, let me ask you this. Say this. Say, get rid of. Let's try that again. Get rid of. There are things in your life that you're going to need to get rid of if you want to get healthy in those areas. For instance, if you want a healthy body, guess what you're going to need to get rid of in your house? Junk food. And you know where it's all at because you hit it. You stashed it. You know where it's at. But you know this truth. If you really want to get healthy, there's some things you're going to need to get rid of. Now, that applies in your physical body, but it also applies mentally, emotionally. You've got to get rid of that garbage. How about some other areas? If you want to have a healthy mind, you may need to block a few channels or websites at home because you do not need to look at that junk. You don't need to fill your mind with that poison. That is cleaning house mentally. It is eliminating things. We oftentimes want God to do stuff, but we don't want to get rid of stuff in the process. We want to hold on to our junk. Listen, God loves you in your junk, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. His goal is not just to add his holiness, but it's to get rid of your junk. Can I get an amen on that? That's good news for you. Man, when you get that junk out of your body, you start becoming who God created you to be, and you start feeling it as well. So there's stuff that we're going to need to get rid of. You may need to clean house in your schedule. Most of you are trying to do too much. 
My goal as your pastor is to get you to do less this year. Is that a good thing? There's a lot of smiling faces like, oh, I just wish. Listen, here's, here's the truth. Here's the reality. You may need to focus, truly focus on doing less so that you're able to actually do the right things instead of trying to do everything. That's cleaning house in your schedule. Getting rid of stuff, of junk, of crud that just occupies space and slows everything down. Don't you hate bottlenecks? You find them everywhere you go. It's, it's junk. It's unnecessary junk that slows down what God wants to do. God's saying, just get rid of this stuff. Hebrews 12.1 says it this way. We must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially any sin that distracts us so that we can run the race that lies ahead of us. And here's what I want to tell you guys. Regardless of how long you've been serving the Lord, whether it's a long season or it's, it's been very recent, regardless of how old you are, maybe you're, maybe, you, you, maybe you're older, maybe you're younger, God has a new season in front of you. And he's got a race in front of you. He's got a task. He's got something he wants to do in you and through you. And it is right in front of you. And scripture says in order to run that race, you've got to get rid of the baggage. You've got to get rid of the junk so that you can run it, so you can do what God's calling you to do. So that's our, that's our third point here. Number four, transformation requires honest community. We're going to talk more about this next week. But Ephesians 4 tells us that there are some things that you're never going to be able to do on your own, that you actually need people in your life. Look at the person next to you and, and, and tell them, I need you. Oh, I saw people like, oh, I need you too. That's so sweet. <laughs> you need, listen, God created you to where you no matter how much of a lone ranger you act like, you actually need people in your life. Scripture calls it biblical community. It's real, it's authentic, it's not fake. And that's one of the reasons why we're encouraging everybody during this campaign, it's gonna be a seven-week campaign starting September 10th, and we're encouraging everybody in the church to find a small group to get connected to. Just for, the, just for this campaign, to try it out, seven weeks. You may already be in a small group, and you may call it something else. You may call it a Sunday school class. That's fine. A, a small group is somewhere where you know people. You actually know them. More than their name, they know you. They actually know your junk, and they love you anyway. Listen, that's real community where you're not faking it. You know what the Greeks called people who wore masks and faked it? It was a drama term, term, hypocrite. We know that word today, don't we? A hypocrite was somebody who wore a mask and they faked it. So here's, here's the reality. There's two kinds of people in this world, those who know they're not perfect and those who act like they are. Now listen, we know you don't have it all together. There's no reason to act. No reason to act. Here's what scripture tells us, Ephesians 4.25. I love this in the message paraphrase. It says, no more pretense. No more faking it. No more acting. Tell your neighbor the truth. 
In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. So if you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. When you talk about biblical community, when you act, when you fake it, when you're a hypocrite and you act like you got it all together and there's no issues, there's nothing that God needs to do new in your life, you're actually lying to yourself. Just be real. Listen, you're in good company here. Can I get an amen? You are in good company here. That's worth an applause right there. Listen, we are... You're in great company. You're in great company. Here's, here's my a statement that I read on this, talking about the value of community. Okay, listen. If there were more confession about the temptations that we face within the body, there would be fewer confessions of sins that we commit. If we actually had people that we could say, you know what, I struggle with this, and they could say, I will support you, I will encourage you, I will hold you accountable, if there were more confessions about temptations, there would be fewer confessions about sin. That's the value that truly, that is the godly value of community is because in these relationships, it's one of the most powerful tools that God uses to shape us. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. So listen, if you're serious about making progress in your life, about really growing and being shaped. You need to be in a group somewhere where you get close enough to people that you can be yourself, they can be themselves, and you guys can really go after God together. Here's what verse 32 says in Ephesians 4. He's talking about community that's found in these groups. This is good news for us, by the way. Be kind and loving to each other, forgiving each other just as God forgave you. And he goes on, actually back in verse 29, he also says, never use harmful words, but speak only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, for some of you, this transformed campaign may your, be your very first exposure to small groups. So here's what I'd like to do. This is just a real quick side thing here. I want to give you um, four basic ground rules when it comes to small groups. And it's not anything you necessarily have to write down, but it's good news for you to hear. Number one, God's been gracious to me, so I'm going to be gracious to you. Number two, what's said in groups stays in groups. All right? Number three, I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to pray for you and encourage you. Number three, I'm focused on God changing me not that God needs to change all of you guys God needs to change me open and honest community is so instrumental in seeing real change happen in our lives and finally number five so this is the fifth thing we need for transformation transformation requires faith that seems like such an ambiguous statement but I want to talk about this here you have to believe that you can be different with God's help. One of the tools of the enemy, one of the, the, the things that, that Satan uses consistently from one person to the next, from one situation to the next, is that he lies to you and tells you that you can never change. He tells you you're stuck. He tells you there's no hope. And that thing that you have struggled with, you will always struggle with. And that thing that you have wrestled with, there is no hope for freedom. And that's what the enemy speaks. You have to believe 
that God can and he will transform you. That's what faith is about. Here's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians. It says, now by his mighty power, that's God's mighty power, his mighty power within us, God is able. This says nothing about your willpower. This says nothing about your self-discipline. You cannot do this in yourself. God, by his mighty power, he is able, listen to this, he is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. So think about that one thing that you feel like you've just always wrestled with, you have always struggled with. And you feel like you just can't overcome it. You can't change this. God says, think about that and I can do more. So when you say, there's this one thing, God says, I can do that and I can do this and I could do this too and I could do this. Because here's who we're talking about. We're talking about God who scripture says this. I've been fascinated with this passage for the past couple of months now. The, the same power that God used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. Now think about this. Before you just say amen, there's no religious stuff here. Listen to this, okay? Jesus died. There was no life in his body. And they placed him in a tomb. And God the Father released his power this power was so strong, it was an overcoming power. This power overcame death. This power that God released into Jesus Christ, his son, overcame hell in the grave, scripture says. It was an overcoming power, and, and scripture tells us that power that God released into Jesus Christ, that raised him from the dead, now dwells inside of you. And we think we can't break a bad habit. The power that overcame death, hell, and the grave is inside of you. The good news is it's from the Lord. He will activate it. He's the one that's going to see it through. It doesn't require you, really. It's not that you're going to be strong enough or you're going to be good enough. God said, that power that I, re I released in my son Jesus Christ that turned the tables, it breathed life back into a dead body. It overcame death. It didn't, just, it didn't just breathe life back into Jesus. It defeated death. That power now I've released in you. Listen, transformation requires faith. You have to believe that you can change, that God can change you. Jesus said numerous times throughout the gospels, according to your faith, it'll be done unto you. Like you have to have that faith. You have to have that belief. It's vital, guys. It's not a little deal. I know just from the spirit that I feel in here right now that you guys are wrestling with this. Why? Because you've tried to break your habits before. You've tried to change, and you feel stuck, and you feel hopeless in some of those situations. Why? Because you've tried it. 
You've tried it. God says, let me. If you let me, I can do far more than you could ever hope, dream of, imagine. I've got this. In this season of transformation, if you will believe that God can and that he will shape you, change you, mold you, free you, if you believe that he can, he will transform you. Now that's good news for every one of us. God's mighty power at work within us. Scripture tells us in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything through him. Do you, do you see the trend here? This is all about Christ. It's about him. It's through his power. He's empowering me. Him who infuses inner strength into me. This is the faith that we're talking about. And as we prepare for transformation, as we say, God, I want to get to a place where I'm truly trusting and believing that you can and you will shape me, that you're going to help me get rid of, of baggage. You're going to help me get rid of junk. You're going to help me. You're, you're going to change my thinking. The way, you're going to help me discover truth so I can apply it to my life. Your word is going to really start to mold me as we prepare for that, we truly have to get to a place where we believe God will. He can. He will. It's our part to just get in alignment with him and say, all right, Jesus, here's, here's your chance. And here's, here's what I want to close with on this. There's one final thing as we talk about this. It's really... According to scripture, it's the only prerequisite for transformation. And that is, in order for God to be able to grow you, in order for God to be able to develop you or transform you, you first have to give him control of your life. You want him to shape you, you have to give him control of it. You want him to change you and mold you, you have to say, Lord, I'm yours. Shape me according to your image, not mine. Shape me. If you're here today and you haven't done that before, I want to give you a chance to do that. Also, there's a second group of people that I want to talk to right now. And that's those of you who like to be in control. Don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> a lot of times we say yes to Jesus, but we try to keep control. Because like we'd said a little bit earlier, we like Jesus to add the good things, but we don't want to let go of our old things. And it doesn't work that way. So I want us to take a moment right now as we close. Such a significant moment. <sighs> Jesus, I give you control. Oh, that's so easy to say, and it's so hard to live out. I give you control. I give you control. And we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray. It's not a long prayer. It's not a flowery prayer. It's a pointed, significant prayer of saying, Jesus, I give you control. Would you guys bow your heads with me? If you're in that place right now and you just want to say, God, I, I want to give you total access to my life, then it starts by 
asking Jesus to be the one that leads you from this day forward. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. You can say, Jesus, I have tried to control my own life for a long time, but now I'm ready to give you control. And so, Lord, I ask that you would lead me into a life of transformation now, that you would shape me and mold me, you would help me get rid of the junk, the garbage, the baggage, that you would speak life and truth, you would help me change my thinking, that you would increase my faith, that you would help me to really be open and honest with the community around me, Lord. And Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me and you would make me new. Just like your word says. I thank you for dying for my sins. I thank you for overcoming death. You brought new life back to me as well. And I thank you for that. And I, I, I pledge this, Lord. Be my Lord from this day forward. You're in control. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're going to close very quickly now. Um, going to move into a time of communion. This is going to be a great celebration of what God has done for us through his son Jesus. But there is something that you can't move on from right now. Listen, you can't move on from this. God, you're in control. I want to look less like me and more like you. I want to look less like the world around me. I want to look more like your son, Jesus. You can't move on from that, guys. I can't preach the same message next week. Do you hear me? You can't move on from this. God, you're in control. If you prayed that prayer just a minute ago for the first time, we want to celebrate with you as a church, and I want to encourage you to do this. On the back of your connection card is a box that says yes. I simply want you to take a, a pencil or a pen and check that box. It says uh, yes for the first time or yes, I rededicated my life. And here's what I want to ask you to do. We want to be a real church that, that is like a real family. We're really open and honest with each other. We really want to pray for you. We really want to support you. That's what church is. And so I'd like to ask you to do this. If you would check, if you would be brave enough to check that box, in a moment, we're going to have some elders who are going to come up, and there's some spiritual leaders in our church. They, they're here to pray for you. And I want to encourage you if, you, if you prayed that prayer, to take that card, bring it up to one of our elders, and they will pray for you right now. If that's a little bit too intimidating for you, that's okay. There's a box at our welcome center as you walk out, and you could drop the card in there, and we will pray for you this week for sure. We want to do that. I want to encourage you right now, though, everybody in this room, to congratulate those who made that decision today. All right, let me wrap up quickly. Just a final prayer this morning. Uh, if you guys would join with me one more time. Father, I thank you. Um, God, I'm excited about what you're going to do in my life in this next season. I'm excited about what you're going to do in the life of all these people at South Suburban. Lord, as we, uh, as we start this journey together as a church, God, I ask that you'd build our faith. Lord, I thank you that when you work within us, you're able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of. And Jesus, I pray that this would be a season where transformation happens, that this would be the season when we say that we can do all things through Christ who empowers me. And God, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. I pray this in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. And all God's people said,